The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight we discuss the four-year journey and mission of an investigative reporter to find Hillary's blackberries and all of the mischief they create. The path of destruction leads through Libya, Syria, Sudan, Yemen, the Iran nuclear and weapons deals abroad straight back home to the attempted Trump, DNC email entrapments and successive coup after Trump becomes president. Get ready for Blackberries Matter. Hillary's Blackberries may be the heart of the matter. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. George Webb is network analyst turned investigative journalist. The crimes of the DNC and Hillary Clinton in the 2016 presidential election spurred Webb to start a research channel based on the work of Peter Schweitzer, Clinton Cash. Webb states his YouTube channel of online researchers turned into a small army of investigators digging for the truth in 2017. A February phone call with the legendary journalist Cy Hirsch encourages Webb to quote-unquote go on the road and write a book. Four years and 4,000 videos later, chasing down every lead on the Hillary Clinton and DNC emails, Webb's YouTube channel was destroyed by YouTube. And after three years, George Webb is back on Veritas to share his truth. Hello, George, and welcome back. How are you? Uh, Mel, it's great to talk to you again. It's been a long time, but uh, and so much has happened. Uh, but uh, the story keeps getting uh, crazier, and and every twist and turn, you know, we live it every day. And this censorship, I, it's almost every single interview I do, do for the past few months, George. Every single guest has been telling me the same thing. They have censored. You lost your channel completely, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and I got a one minute notice. It was pretty funny. Uh, and uh, Stefan Molyneux is the other one who lost his channel the yes. same day. And I was uh, arranging through uh, Paul Cottrell, who's another YouTuber, uh, to have a show with, with <laughs> Stefan. And, and Paul survived the cut. So uh, I guess that they only took people over 100,000 in the first whack. But uh, yeah. And Stefan is equally. Um, uh, you know, Stefan had like a million subscribers. I only had 105,000, but it's still, it was like one minute warning because, and you lose all the comments, you lose all the richness of the, the comments and the contextual information. That's great metadata to help find, uh, 
uh, things very pinpoint and on on topics on a wide variety of topics. All gone, all lost. Plus, your your ability to connect with your audience is all cut off. You, YouTube keeps everything, so it really was kind of like a a, a, a Brutus moment with the uh, at two Brutus a stab in the back from YouTube. What about the? Have you been following today the? All these CEOs, Facebook, Twitter, Apple, and so on, uh, going to Congress. What, what do you think about this? Do you think that maybe something will happen, or will the president have to sign an executive order to put some action? Well, the, I only saw a blurb of, I think it was Matt Gates talking to the Google CEO, and just by a twist of fate, um, I actually worked for Eric Schmidt, who was the CEO before uh, the current um, Uh, Indian guy, um, but he was at Sun Microsystems back then. And, um, you know, pretty good guy uh, in all, but he definitely, as he progressed in his career and moved up the ladder, you could see where he was getting more closer and closer to the CIA, closer and closer to the CIA. Um, and this alphabet, when they started the alphabet, that was almost completely a uh, you know DOD uh, project and it's it's tough uh, when you have all this information that nobody's really willing to pay a whole lot of money for I mean there's a lot of ad targeting that they do but if you then get a 10 billion dollar offer from DOD to do psychographic profiling on all the people and you know this demographic or that demographic it's hard to turn that money down and and that's when Google kind of took that turn down, at least in my mind, it could have been they had a lot of covert projects before that. But that's when Google said, oh, hey, we can remarket all this stuff for this for the spy systems. And um, uh, the Maven program uh, that came up in the hearings, I believe, uh, and I've talked a lot for four years about the Mavni program, um, which is military assets vitally needed in case of insurrection. And so it was interesting that that came up, the Maven, M-A-V-I-N, is just the flip side, the information side of the same program. It's interesting that came up today. So I um, I always look for light rather than the heat. Uh, so I did see some good things come out uh, today, uh, specific proposals, um, rather than just you know the typical dramatics that you get with these uh, these interviews, uh, Capitol Hill type testimonies. I consider Silicon Valley the epitome of capitalism, intellectual property, ingenuity, but they're turning into a communist-based tech tyranny. It's completely opposite to what capitalism stands. Well, you know, I heard what Matt Gates had to say, and it was pretty shocking. I, I had done stories about the J-20 and how that looked like uh, the, uh, I believe it was the F-22. It's been a long time since I did the story. But if you put the two next to each other, they look identical. Only the only thing is, uh, the F-35, excuse me, uh, they, they they made it a better design. Uh, it wasn't as, as fat. It looks like a tur the F-35 is more like a turkey, but the, there's a sleeker design for the J-20. But when And the J-31 also, I think I did a, a show on. But the thing that really troubled me was this AI center that Matt Gates had picked on. And he had said that this was used in targeting, target recognition. You know, you can do pattern recognition. You know, they make you fill out that little CAPTCHA thing, which one's – what's a street sign, what's a tricycle, that sort of thing. Well, it's the same problem from the air uh, when you're doing targeting. And if that's true – If that really is true, and, and General Dunford said it was treasonous, 
uh, that's, you know, at that time was the Joint Chief of Staff. That's a pretty serious allegation that, that a, a Silicon Valley company that, boy, uh, fed off the uh, DOD money uh, with uh, Intel Q and all the other the, the, the hog slop trough that that is right where I'm sitting here on the Potomac near Washington, D.C. If they took all that money and and, and slopped it to trough and now is turning around and, and perfecting a weapon system for our enemies, that's incredible, really. And as I always say lately, I hate to get political, but it seems to me that Silicon Valley, the media is all in one political party. Why isn't this more obvious to people? We are not here to win. We are here to be controlled if they win. Well, I, I think you definitely have uh, getting into the book and um, Black Lives Matter, or excuse me, Black Berries Matter. I, I deliberately used uh, the same sort of cadence of the of the current rallying cry on the left. Uh, there was just more, uh, you know, wheeling and dealing, uh, you know, in backroom they call it pay to play. You pay me and I will fund your weapons program. I'll fund your DARPA program. Um, and it just so happens that the people who were doing the uh, fellowships, you know, from all these different news agencies all over the world, not just here in, in Washington, but all over the world was the same group, the same, uh, you know, uh, Soros kind of backed groups. So if you end up, it's like if you come up through that farm system, the whole time, you're going to write stories that your people that are your trainers and coaches, you know, train you to do. And I've, I've just gone to so many of these events. I'm, I'm the lone duck here, or, or usually me and Consortium News, Joe Deloria. We're the only two conservatives at these, you know, Washington press meetings. And they're all convinced it's not it's, it's not like they're a part of the conspiracy. They, they really do believe that they're, you know, Trump. Uh, works for Russia, and, they, and Trump caught the DNC emails uh, for through WikiLeaks, and he conspired with Julian Assange. I mean, this is something that uh, any rational person would say, hey, we need to get you on some kind of medication, and we need to get you out to uh, three or four days to a farm and, you know, do some manual labor and, and get you out of whatever information source. But I'm not kidding. I've sat in in meetings, not recently. Where people say this, you know, Trump, well, Trump's working for Russia. Like, are you kidding me? No matter four years of no evidence, no matter four years of embarrassment of, you know, paper thin uh, evidence, uh, vices that were written on the back of, you know, uh, cardboard boxes, no evidence. They still believe that. Is the Russia angle simply a, uh, one of the variables of the Hegelian dialectic? They need to blame it on someone so they can bring their own agenda to solve, quote-unquote, the problem, which means a coup d'etat. Yeah, problem, uh, uh, crisis, solution. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Hegelian dialectic. Um, yeah, I think maybe uh, the when you use Russians and Ukrainians and every other intelligence agency in the world, uh, to do backroom deals all over the world and then kick back the uh, kickbacks through the DNC, which is what my book's about, pay to play. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, everything looks like, uh, you know, if, if that's how the system works, um, yeah, let's go ahead and blame the opposition for working with the Russians. Nobody dealt more and did more joint ventures with the Russians than Hillary Clinton. Skolkova was a, a huge intellectual capital drain, including Google, Facebook, um, and um, 
uh, I can't remember who the other uh, one that was in the Skolkova uh, consortium, but a huge intellectual capital drain. That's something else that Gates said today was that these students are being used as intermediaries for uh, the capital drain in a sponsored way by Google. Uh, and just amazing uh, uh, revelations uh, from the Capitol Hill uh, today. I have to ask you this right at the beginning. I know many of our listeners are thinking of this as well. Will Joe Biden be withdrawn as a candidate? And even though the talk is about selecting a woman of color to be his running mate, what are the chances that Hillary Clinton may resurface and might be the one? And I know others are speculating that Michelle Obama, and most recently Kamala Harris, but Hillary seems to be the piece of, I'm going to say the word, that you can never flush properly. <laughs> well, I totally agree with you. I think the woman of color, though, is Susan Rice. And Susan Rice goes back. I mean, she lived for years and years with Madeleine Albright. Madeleine Albright always was the uh, sort of, pro, um, uh, you know, a person tutelaging or giving uh, tutoring lessons to Hillary Clinton as the shadow, shadow secretary of state when Warren Christopher was Secretary of State in the first Clinton administration, but then uh, Madeleine Albright became Secretary of State in the second, and then Hillary basically was was her shadow. Uh, and, and from then on, Hillary had designs, you know, Secretary of State and then, then President. So there's no doubt in my mind that their uh, person uh, that they, you know, uh, groomed uh, all along the way to take this to take this role in history, which is Susan Rice, um, is going to be used right now. Susan Rice, I believe, will be a VP at the convention. I think um, – I don't know when they'll move Biden out, but definitely cognitively they've done the Reagan thing to him. They've sprayed him or something. But his cognitive abilities have just dramatically dropped in the last year to where he really can't form a sentence anymore. So at some point, you, you push him out. If I, I think if he's going well in the polls, you let him win. If he's not going in the polls, you yank him, and and then uh, and then uh, Susan Rice makes Hillary uh, vice president, and then she becomes president. You know, basically, uh, Hillary will be in her mind do everything she can to become president. She is not sitting this one out. I totally agree with you on that one. I remember I was thirteen. I've always heard about Kennedy being murdered, but I've never lived it. But in, on March 30th, 1981, I was told by a neighbor, hey, they tried to kill the president, Reagan. And I uh, ran and I looked at the news. And years later, I found out a lot of interesting things. And you probably know this, too, that Hinckley, his father, was one of the biggest donors and friends of George Herbert Walker Bush. And you know the whole story that appeared in the Houston Chronicle, that it appeared that uh, Neil or Marvin was having dinner with one of Hinckley's brothers the night before. Bottom line, just like with Hillary now, let's say that she became vice president with Joe. Do you think another incident, just like what happened with Reagan, might ensue? I think Susan Rice is too smart to wait for that. <laughs> I think Susan Rice would immediately... Uh, you know, I think... Maybe too, like Dick Cheney, you know, was the hand on the White House, even though that you know Bush was running to the different events and so forth. The real power of the White House was was Cheney. 
I think that's how it would be with Hillary uh, for maybe a year or two, because she, she would be the first uh, black woman president. Uh, Susan Rice would be the first black woman president. So get that out of the way and now bring Hillary in uh, as you know the first woman president. It's, it's some combination thereof. I know it's going to be Hillary. I know it's going to be Susan Rice. Um, and as far as I, I do remember the Reagan uh, assassination as well, and that was, gosh, I think two months into it. That's right. <laughs> you, know, you know, it wasn't very much into it. It's presidency where they, uh, at the Hilton there. And, um, as a matter of fact, here in Washington, there's St. Elizabeth's, uh, is now a DHS facility, but it was a, uh, kind of the funny farm uh, back then. And he had very, uh, Hinckley had very limited, he could kind of come and go as sort of like the Jeff Epstein plan where he had to be in at night. Uh, but he basically had free reign. Uh, so he was not uh, locked down like people think he was. And then he was let, let go. He's free right now. Interesting. See, I didn't know that. Obviously, yeah. the family was involved. And now, is it true that Reagan did not want Bush to be his running mate, but he was coerced and he had to take him? And that this is why we saw what happened, because Bush could not win the vote. And what a great way to be a shoo-in. Yeah, I think, uh, I think James Baker is the guy who's been given credit for being the one who moved Bush into the VP ticket. Uh, I know that there was a, definitely a wide water there uh, about Bush being a very moderate and Reagan being you know, more conservative. I don't actually know the story of who brokered that deal. Uh, I, I'm interested to, to hear that story now. Uh, but I, if, it, if I had to guess, I'd say James Baker because he was sort of the man in Havana for all these things. Wasn't he the one saying, I am president while the president is in the hospital? Didn't the movie display that? was that? Al Haig. That Alexander was Al Haig. Haig. That's right. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. There's another guy, a continuity of government guy down in the basement with Ollie North uh, planning how they're going to take over the world when uh, you know a virus hits or, or something hits. These guys think about this all the time. They think about taking over the government and what's the succession. Of course, Al Haig got it all wrong. He wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't have a constitution handy that the secretary of state was not the person who would take over in that case. Or I, I can't remember. I think he was either secretary of defense or secretary of state, but anyway, he wasn't in the line of succession and he was talking on the phone to, uh, uh vice president Bush. So if you, if the person's alive and on uh, Marine two on a, on the helicopter, you can talk to him. You don't take over. Um, so it is interesting, but I do think Bush was made acting president for about eight hours, about eight to 10 hours that day. Now your new book, Blackberries matter. Yep. Tell me more. Cause a lot of people are not familiar with this whole blackberries issue. And many people don't know that it's actually could be used to circumvent even our own intelligence apparatus. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so if you go back to those guys that I talked about with Iran Contra, with Ollie North there, and and uh, you know Bud McFarland, you know all the names, the the famous names from that Kofor Black, etc. Uh, they used a device called the KL. I, I believe it was the KL forty three. Remember Fawn Hall? Supposedly tried to throw a sex angle in there, right? And they, you know, here's Ollie North in the basement of the. Well, the problem with the KL forty three. Everyone liked it because it had the keyboard and, you know, you have to type these messages sometimes and that are rather long in these cables. Uh, but it was clunky. And, and especially if you're going in any kind of other country, immediately they see that's not a standard laptop. 
uh, and they immediately say, this guy's a spy. So they were looking, uh, this goes back to NQTEL uh, and um, developing the BlackBerry. Let's have something that looks like a cell phone, but also has a full keyboard. And, and NQTEL's first project with Research in Motion in, in Waterloo, Canada was the BlackBerry. So people don't... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.